This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. A new head coach and boy genius Mike McDaniel, the fastest cheetah to ever roam the football field, and an actual left tackle... Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. Before we jump into a fresh episode of Finsider Radio, Jake and Josh want you to please, please, please hit that subscribe button if you haven't yet. Subscribing to the show is the best way to know when Jake and Josh have something cooking in the kitchen. iTunes, Spotify, it doesn't matter. Following helps others find the show, and we want to thank you for that. Now, let's talk some dolphins. It's that time again, folks. Welcome in to a brand new episode of SB Nation's Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. Batman and Robin are back with lots to discuss after Miami's 48-10 beatdown of the Philadelphia Eagles. But before we get into all that, let me welcome in my co-host, the one, the only, Jake Mendel. Jake, how you doing today, man? Josh, we have made it through the final weekend without regular season football. Of course, I'm including college. Until February. How does that feel? That I mean, I feel like I'm escaping from prison and there ain't no cops following me. I'm running free. Football is here. I hope you feel the same way. 
Yeah, we got like what four or five stars in Grand Theft Auto, and we're just eluding all yes. the police. We're <laughs> hiding from the helicopters. We're getting ready to spray paint our car. Absolutely, man. I mean, injected into our veins. We made it through the preseason, you know, mostly healthy, right? I mean, we can't be too upset with some of the bruises that we collected along the way. But dude, football's finally back, and it's going to be a long time before it's out of our life again, which we're so happy to say. Which is kind of crazy since we're talking about it all the time, even when the games aren't happening. And that's kind of what football is. It's it's a big, massive community. And Josh, we got to start out here today on a little bit of a sad note. Uh, the Miami Dolphins announced during Saturday's game that Jason Jenkins, the Senior Vice President of Communications and Community Affairs, passed away unexpectedly Saturday. He was 48 years old. Uh, he spent 14 years with the Dolphins since joining the team in 2009. And Mike McDaniel, I mean, there are a lot of great tributes for someone like Jason Jenkins, who, you know, if, you, if you've never been in Miami, you're not from Miami, every picture you see him in, it's a bright smile. He's always served the community. Uh, Mike McDaniel said he brought it every day. He's full of life. Uh, Josh, I never got the opportunity to meet Jason Jenkins outside of like a, hey, how's it going and introducing myself. Uh, but man, this, this really hurts. It's sad to see because, I mean, it... You look at the brass of the Miami Dolphins since Stephen Ross got there. I mean, Jason Jenkins has been there and he's done a lot of good for not only the Miami Dolphins, but the community itself. Yeah, I unfortunately never got across paths with Jason Jenkins. But I mean, I live up here in Pennsylvania. could tell you just how important he meant to that franchise. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned Mike McDaniel's press conference. He just felt so bad because he knew how devastating it was for the entire franchise. You know what he meant to the players, what he means to the community. So um, I think we can both agree that, you know, hopefully at some point in our life, we can even do half the stuff as good as, you know, Absolutely, that Jason yeah. Jenkins did. So um, it's definitely sad anytime you lose someone that's, you know, so well respected and has done so much for this team. And you just, you know, your heart goes out for the family. I know he left behind a wife and daughter. So uh, thoughts and prayers for sure out to the Jason Jenkins family. But um, yeah, it was definitely a bittersweet victory on Saturday against the Eagles for sure. Lots of love going around it. And like you, I pass out pass on that love those thoughts those prayers to his wife and their three kids josh there is no good way to transition from that but uh let's talk a little bit of dolphins here and before we get into the preseason game where the dolphins i mean they 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 kicked the butts of the eagles 48 to 10 and man i loved having my feet up watching that before we do that though we hinted about this last week the miami dolphins added another linebacker as everyone's decided to call him Trey Flowers as of this morning, today being Monday. Josh, we had an idea this was coming, but what's the feelings when you actually see that uh, your date said yes to prom and she'll go with you? Yeah, Jake, I mean, this is just like, a, I guess, a pattern with me. Every time, you know, I have the my eye on a free agent, you know, a couple of years down the road, you know, five, four or five years later, they end up in Miami at half the price. So this was a guy who I thought, you know, you read the tea leaves. He was going to end up here with Brian Flores. You know, we know how vital he was that um, New England defense. But Trey Flowers, man, 29 years old, a guy that, I mean, we mentioned on the last podcast, he's listed as an edge. But, I mean, he's versatile. He can play down on the ground. You know, he can play down in the stance. You know, he can move inside. He can do a little bit of everything. So, um, I hope this doesn't mean, you know, Andrew Van Ginkle might be out, you know, longer than expected or one of these other injuries. But uh, Trey Flowers is definitely a very good player. And I'm excited to see the way he works again with Josh Boyer, who he has some familiarity with. Yeah, Josh, it looks like Trey Flowers did miss some time last year, and it led to some pretty um, average pro football focus uh, numbers. But obviously, we're the homers here, and we need to kind of pipe this up. Man, going back to 2020, I know he signed a massive, massive deal uh, with Detroit back in 2019. And we, I mean, 
I can even remember us having the conversation of Trey Flowers to Miami. Does that make sense? You know, the Brian Flores system and the Dolphins kind of flirting for him with that big payday, right? You think about rebuilding the Miami Dolphins under Brian Flores. But man, he had a couple really good years with Detroit 2019, 2020. He was just overall above an 80 uh, defensive grade on pro, pro football focus. 2018, that grade was a 90. And, and Josh, I mean, I'm just you know, staring at the window, looking at those BMWs, but the Dolphins don't really need Trey Flowers to become that guy again, right? They We know what kind of system the Dolphins are going to run. Trey Flowers knows what kind of system the Dolphins are going to run. And it kind of seemed like this was something that was bound to happen. Mike McDaniel came out and said he saw a guy that's in shape. He's ready to play. He's a professional with a lot of versatility and length. He plays his style of football. Josh, I mean, to me, it sounds like this is someone who he was ready for that bounce back campaign, a, a fresh new team, but it, I'm going to say it as I see it. It sounded like someone who just did not want to participate in the preseason or training camp. Yeah, I guess you can't really blame him for that, right? I I think it was funny that Mike McDaniel, you know, during his press conference, I guess since, you know, the Dolphins technically didn't release somebody, they couldn't make the signing official. So he was asked about it and, you know, he kind of tiptoed around it. You know, I'll confirm when it's confirmable and, you know, typical Mike McDaniel fashion. But um, I, yeah, I mean, it kind of feels almost like Melvin Ingram, right? I mean, he was another guy. I have tweets yeah, going back exactly. to like 2017 or 19 where I'm yelling at him, you know, why don't you pick the Dolphins? And then a few years later, you know, he's cheaper. He's getting up there in age. You know, he's more of a rotational player now. There's definitely, you know, you can definitely see Melvin Ingram and what he's going to bring to this defense. Now you had Trey Flowers to that. Uh, I think it's almost like Mike McDaniel. We talk about him doing his ultimate team. It's like if you go out in free agency and you're like, okay, I need a, you know, an edge player. I'm going to sign the best free agent on the market. And Trey Flowers is sitting there, you know, signing what was it, like a two Two point, it, it was relatively two point one, I think. Point one, yeah. I think, with the you know incentives, it could go up to three million. So, um, definitely a pretty sick signing. And I don't know if you mentioned it, man, but his daughter did a pretty good Photoshop to kind of put yes. any of my jersey swaps to shame. So that was just cool to see because I mean you. We see the way these players are on the field, but it's nice to see, you know, kind of how they are off the field and the way the family kind of all comes together. So that was a pretty sick Photoshop, and I definitely set my game up. Yeah, and and to kind of put a bow on this conversation here. You know, we're talking about pass rushers, man. I see Trey Flowers as kind of uh, Emmanuel Agba uh, insurance in a sense. I don't really see that pass rushing linebacker that everyone is is kind of listing him as it is that edge rusher position where you don't really see someone like Emmanuel Agba go out in coverage a little bit. But I I mean, it's worth noting, we saw Jalen Phillips go out in coverage just a couple days ago. But I, I see this as just a really healthy piece of depth. Someone who's still relatively young, drafted in 2015. He's uh, 29 years old. And like Melvin Ingram is is that insurance, that depth piece uh, at defensive end. So you're not really desperately waiting for someone like Cameron Good or Porter Gustin to be that guy who you can step in and be comfortable with. Trey Flowers, I see in that kind of same scenario. A very good depth piece, but someone who I think you feels so great knowing that he's second in command instead of trying to have to get a rookie or a second year player accustomed to being a starter in the NFL. Yeah, I was just going to throw out a career 31 and a half sacks. Looks like his last, you know, big season was 2019 with the Lions, seven sacks, 51 total mm-hmm. tackles, eight tackles for loss. So, uh, dude, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what he can do. But, you know, again, it's a rotational player, a veteran that, you know, brings his leadership to the Dolphins team. Jake, we talked enough about Trey Flowers. I think now we can shift our focus to the preseason game because I don't know about you, man, but that almost felt like the cherry on top of a Sunday, the way the Dolphins went out there. Yes, it was against, you know, second stringers, third stringers. You know, the Eagles didn't start their starters at all. I think that was kind of what everyone wanted to point to. But, man, that offense right out of the gate, 
was just everything we kind of hoped for. So give me your thoughts when, you know, we kind of saw it coming. We kind of knew at some point the Dolphins were going to take that shot. Uh, apparently the Eagles didn't know that <laughs> to just, you know, wound that thing up and, and heave it downfield. So what were your thoughts, man, when you saw it all take place and, you know, kind of some of the dialogue, I guess, that's surrounding this one throw on, on social media? Yeah, so first and foremost, man, you mentioned playing against second stringers and third stringers. The Dolphins wiping the absolute floor with the Eagles. We kind of sensed this tone a little bit, listening to the different interviews throughout the week, if I'm being completely honest. We saw a group that kind of understood, like, hey, we missed a joint practice. There was It was canceled due to a stomach bug. Uh, McDaniel did a McDaniel thing where he's like, you know, it's not half the team, but it's not just a couple players. It's somewhere right in there. This was a team that I think knew they kind of missed what they we're hoping to get out of playing against Philadelphia or practicing against Philadelphia. And they made sure to make it known like, Hey, we're making up for lost time here. And man, we kind of saw exactly what we wanted in a 48 to 10 win. just kind of put your feet up. You have your starters playing like starters. You even have your second and third stringers playing like second and third stringers that can do something in the NFL. But man, you see, you couldn't even say the score without bringing it up. And that's no fault to your own, but let's do it to uh, the First play of the game, Josh, play action, loads it up. We're going to say 55 yards through the air because I don't know why it matters, but that's what we have to talk about is air yards. 55 yards through the air, a 50-yard one completion to Tyreek Hill to begin the game. Josh, I had a feeling they'd try it, but the fact it's the first play from scrimmage to just kind of pull it all out and stick it on the table, if you know what I'm saying, man, I could not believe the confidence that Tua and McDaniel had because Everybody hears what's being talked about. I mean, we're, we're saying that Tua throws in the 20-yard box without actually saying the 20-yard box. The fact he came out here, and that's the first play, it wasn't an obvious throw. There was safety help. Tyreek still blew by both of them, man. It was incredible to see live. I actually just started laughing because I couldn't think of the words to describe the moment. What were your thoughts when you see Tua, you know, hit that play action, step back, and you see him as he starts to wind up that arm, and you see Tyreek just flying. You're like, oh, boy. Is it going to be great, or are we off to a miserable start? Yeah, I still don't know the answer to that. I mean, as Dolphin fans, <laughs> I think we all love that, right? The 51-yard completion. But absolutely. To, see the, to see the narrative, it's just absolutely insane to me. You know, after you saw what Mac Jones did, you know, throwing into what? Uh, entire NBA squad, right? Five players were around him. <laughs> no one said anything about that, but Tua completes a 51-yarder and it's the talk of the town. I think the thing I liked most was that, you know, Tua at the end of the game said, when we knew Tyreek was playing, you know, we had uh, we were able to draw up some plays, you know, give our input on what we wanted to use. And uh, Tyreek wanted to go wall in the first place. So, I mean, Tua admitted he underthrew it a little bit. You know, he admitted that if it would have been out in front of him, it would have been a touchdown. But I I mean, I personally no knock against Tua. I don't know that he could, you know, hit him in stride the way some people right. think Patrick Mahomes could. And I mean, I know everyone's doing this thing where they're posting Mahomes underthrowing somebody and this and that. But I mean, it should not be an argument that Patrick Mahomes has a stronger arm than Tua Tungvaloa. I mean, the argument's that, you know, Tyreek Hill's game's going to drop off, and I still don't think it's going to. I love the way that first play went down, and then to come right back, you know, in a play action, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill in a little crosser. I mean, you could just see what type of playmaker he was. And again, yes, it was against the second string, but um, it didn't seem like no matter what the defense could do, they could stop it. And I mean, that's just a testament of who Tyree kill is and what this offense could be. Cause um, you know, aside from that, all the misdirection, the fake sweeps, you know, in the play action and boots, I mean, dude, this Mike McDaniel offense is absolutely sick. And I was, you know, you said they whipped it out and put it all on the table. That's exactly what they did. And uh, I absolutely, we're talking it. poker chips, by the way, obviously that's, that's obviously the conversation we're having here. Josh, you mentioned second string. And I want to take you into the time machine. Was it two years ago, the Kansas City Chiefs were playing the Miami Dolphins, 
And the Dolphins were playing fantastically. I think the Dolphins actually led for a little while. Uh, but quickly, you hear that Jaws music coming because the Chiefs, very good football team, four straight AFC Conference Championships. Mahomes was in two Super Bowls during that stretch. All of a sudden, out at safety, the Miami Dolphins have second stringer, Clayton Fedulum. And all of a sudden, Josh, what does Tyree Kill do? Do you know do you know exactly what happened the play after Clayton came to the game? Please tell me what happened. Oh, he definitely First got play. Yeah, he definitely got burnt by Tyreek, right? Is that not how that went? Yep, that's exactly that's the kind of the key, man. It's like second stringers, third stringers. The fact the Dolphins offense came out and did what it was supposed to do, I think that is so important and is such an important fact we are overlooking here. The fact that you're not always gonna face top tier safeties, you're not always gonna face first string cornerbacks. The fact that the Dolphins can only need one play to show, hey, we can make this work. It doesn't matter. We're going to have situations where this isn't going to work. We're going to face good secondaries, and then we're going to have to do things in different ways. But the fact you can see a matchup and take advantage of it is so important, and I think that's so re- relieving. Josh, you mentioned the out route to Tyreek after that that set up a touchdown throw from Tyreek to River Crawcraft. And, Josh, I want to ask you here, as we're talking about the 53-man roster and even the depth chart in general, I think you can see a lot of different guys on this uh, Dolphins roster getting looks. What are your thoughts when you see, you know, Trent Sherfield and River Crawcraft out running with the first team this late in the preseason? Of course, it's important to keep in mind someone like Jalen Waddle is being held out. But what does that say for people like Trent Sherfield and Crawcraft who are trying to make the, the roster? Do we feel a little more relieved that these guys might have a maybe an upper edge over Lynn Bowden just for the sake of the personnel they're playing against? That's a great question, man. And I think, you know, part of my lore about, you know, Lim Bowden is just, you know, what I thought of him two years ago. And I just kind of stay, you know, planting my flag, Lim Bowden Jr., Lim Bowden Jr. I mean, you can't really be upset with who they keep around, right? I mean, we saw Crawcraft, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, he saw seven targets, had what was it, five catches? I'm sorry. I thought you sure you said it, but I mean, he was just consistent. And again, you his familiarity mm-hmm. with Mike McDaniel, you know, an extra coach on the field. I pretty much, you know, I'm chalking Trent Sherfield up. I'm pretty sure he's on that. 53-man roster, but I do think it comes down to Crawcraft and Limboden Jr., and I continue to lean towards Limboden Jr. because of his versatility, and again, because I was uh, pretty high on him a few years ago, but dude, River Crawcraft, I mean, he definitely stood out in this game. You know, he found the soft spots in the zone, you know, showed a little bit of speed. I think he had a nice toe tap on the sidelines, so um, I do think it's maybe a little bit of a hint towards the way Mike McDaniel's leaning, but I think after Limboden Jr., I think he had a touchdown, you know, um, made it some nice and plays, kick returner. I mean, he still has a chance, I think, on that 53-man, but right now I I would definitely give the inside track to Crawcraft. And uh, again, Sherfield's definitely on that roster. And that's the thrill of it, man. That is where we're at. That's uh, I think it's tomorrow by 4 p.m. Rosters need to be cut down to 53. But just like a little practice to kind of, realize how crazy it is how much is going to happen in two weeks before the opening day go load up your previous Madden game and don't update the rosters and just look at that 53 man roster it's going to blow your mind just how much things uh, change Josh let's uh let's talk about a couple more wide receivers here because news came out today that the Dolphins are trying to trade Preston Williams news came out today that they cut Muhammad Sanu so take either those give me your thoughts give me your feelings and shake that crystal ball what's happening next yeah, Jake, I actually compiled a quick list. Uh, Jared Dokes, Adam Pankey, Blaze Andres, Darius Hodge, and Calvin Munson, along with, you know, uh, Muhammad Sanu, I believe were the ones that were cut. And it does sound mm-hmm. like they're trying to move Preston Williams. So, I mean, we just talked about Lynn Bowden Jr. I almost feel like he should have maybe more value to 
to some of these teams in trade. But I mean, you look at Preston Williams, the size, you know, what he's been able to do when healthy, I can understand it. So I do think that he's going to get moved Preston Williams. There will be a trade there, but as far as the next cut, man, I mean, Oh man, I I can't even sit here and, you know, try to predict who the next one's going to be, you know, off this roster. But I, I thought, you know, when Jared Dokes and some of those other guys got released, does, doesn't he seem like a perfect fit for the practice squad? I know I was kind of as a Quandre White guy. Thinking the same Sorry. thing. I know it's kind of a Quandre White guy, but I mean, Jared Dokes, you could see him almost playing, you know, aggressive and, you know, mm-hmm. just look like a decent running back. So um, I do not envy Chris Greer or Mike McDaniel because I think you, uh, McDaniel says press conference yesterday, you know, you look at the running back room, you look at the wide receiver room, any one of those guys could be on an NFL roster. So uh, important decisions to be made, but dude, I could not even guess who the next cut's going to be. Miles Gaskin. I mean, I'm just joking, but Miles Gaskin, maybe. What a segue, man. You are on fire with this. Let's talk about the running game. And I want to start this with a quote from the one and only RG3, Robert Griffin III, he tweeted out yesterday that the Miami Dolphins running game makes a jump from 29th to 15th this year. The mad scientist Mike McDaniel brought in Arby's to excel in the wide zone scheme in Edmonds, Moster, and Michelle, then added Armstead and Connor Williams at center to give the O-line the athleticism it needs. So Josh, that right there makes me a little excited. And this rushing attack against the Eagles was at its best. They averaged 5.8 yards per carry, and we had Miles Gaskin leading the way. You just hinted at it. He had six carries for 39 yards. Let's start there, Ben. Was he showing off for the Dolphins or another team? Breaking news as we're recording, Sony Michelle has been released. So continue oh, man. with your sh- thoughts on Miles Gaskin <laughs> with that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I should have um maybe thrown that out there. And he was a guy that I think a lot of people were just kind of putting on the 53-man roster based off his name. I mean, I was ta- starting to think about it today. You know, Sony Michelle really hasn't done much other than that what touchdown in the last game. I mean I could not see the Dolphins keeping one of these other guys, but I think I kept putting him there again because of what I thought about him in another life and, you know, what he's done with other teams. So um, I think that, you know, bodes well for Miles Gaskin, right? I still think it might come down to him and Salvin Ahmed. Uh, I think White goes on the practice squad. But Jake, 203 yards on the ground against the Eagles. I mean, is that not what we wanted to see out of this, you know, offense, you know, is at least in the preseason finale. I mean, earlier in the preseason, they were struggling a little bit, but dude, 203 yards, I mean, from that first Raheem Mostert, you know, run off the edge. I mean, it was just success after success. And I guess that's a Mike McDaniel way. And it's kind of, I don't know why this sticks out to me, but, you know, Raheem Mostert suffered a season-ending injury last year. And before he did that, he had like one carry for 26 yards. And man, this looked like the same guy. His first run was 26 yards. It's just kind of exciting to see the offense literally pulled up from San Francisco and placed in Miami and, you can see where the success comes from in this group. And man, I do wonder, Sony Michelle, he did score the touchdown, five carries for 15 yards, an average of three, which was actually the lowest among running backs by more than three yards for the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. So it did seem like Michelle was given a lot of opportunities, especially to become Lusaka Polite, that red zone, that, that short yardage guy. And I think he actually struggled with it quite a bit. So uh, I think in a different scenario, Michelle would make the team. But when you consider, you know, you sign uh, Mostert, you sign Chase Edmonds, someone like Salvan Ahmed has history with Mike McDaniel. You're keeping someone like Alec Engold around as a fullback. It's just hard to see Sony Michelle fitting in that group as well. I mean, I'm really thinking this might have been this Miles Gaskin like last punch to make the roster. I think it might have worked. I don't know how many running backs the Dolphins are going to keep, Josh, but if you had to make a guess, three or four, one of those two numbers, where where would you put it? 
are we counting Ingold? Because I I wasn't counting Ingold, and I would say I wouldn't count him. No, I would say four, and then Ingold. That's kind of where I see it. But um, I think I did look up San Francisco's roster. You know, when I was doing these fifty-three man, oh, and I think you. last year they had three running backs and then a fullback. So uh, I'm not sure what that means. But I did pull it up. I guess the Dolphins officially made some of these announcements. Uh, some mm-hmm. of the names we didn't mention: defensive back Quincy Wilson was released, Owen Carney Jr. and Elijah Hamilton, as well as Niles. Scott, they were also released earlier today. Oh, man, dude, Zaquandre White, too. I just read that one. So, uh, you know, we're going through the motions here. But, again, some of these guys could end up on the practice squad. You know, Andres, you know, White, I guess, mm-hmm. Munson, Hodge. I mean, you can go down the list. But um, Dolphins are making cuts, and they have till what, 4 p.m. tomorrow to make that official. And you can go back when we spoke about Miami signing undrafted free agents. You can kind of follow some money about who might make this practice squad the guys with the highest signing bonuses i think are probably on that right track to make the unit but that'll be kind of interesting to see and when talking about the practice squad josh the biggest question is will these guys clear waivers and man i think the biggest question of the entire preseason i don't think skylar thompson would be able to clear waivers if the dolphins tried to quote unquote stash him on the practice squad yeah man no chance in hell i mean i i joke because i mean I was bitter about 25 year old quarterback, you know, seventh round. I thought, <laughs> yeah, right? I think I even said Carson Strong would have been a guy I drafted, you know, the guy that the Eagles just released today and can pretty much gave him a signing bonus for nothing. But dude, Skylar Thompson's been playing out of this world. I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but that incompletion, I think it was a defensive pass interference to Ezukoma on the sideline. I mean, he threw that thing across body. I don't want to say it looked like Dan Marino, but it looked like Dan Marino, Jake. Uh, seven <laughs> of 10 for 103 yards and three touchdowns um, in that, again, beatdown of the Eagles. And I mean, he just makes it so difficult. There's no way. I mean, heading into when he was drafted, you know, heading into this offseason, I don't think there was any way I'd sit here and say I would be absolutely, you know, I don't want to swear, PO'd if they were to release Skylar Thompson, but that's where I'm at, man. You cannot even try to put him on the practice squad. You cannot even risk losing him because, again, we saw something in one, you know, in three games than we've seen from a rookie quarterback in years. And uh, mm-hmm. there's definitely something worth building there. So, uh, dude, perfect segue by you. And absolutely, they got to find a way to keep Skylar Thompson on that 53 man. But then that makes everything else so difficult, right? I mean, there's your fourth running absolutely. back. There's your, uh, you know, defensive tackle or whatever. So, um, again, don't envy Chris Greer or Mike McDaniel one bit. But Skylar Thompson needs to stay a Dolphin. Special teams that Seathan Carter, who actually just caught a touchdown on Sunday or on Saturday. Do you keep four tight ends? I mean, Hunter Long caught a touchdown. You got to keep him on the active roster. So, man, this is a tough, tough decision. Skylar Thompson, three touchdowns, and he only had a grade uh, on pro football focus of 61 after last week against the Raiders having a 90. But, man, he has been so much fun to watch. And there, I think there's something to the Dolphins late in rounds. All of a sudden, don't these older guys who the ceiling might not be as high, but understanding there's a floor of a successful football player there. I mean, you think back, Nick Mullins is the one that comes out to my mind. You have guys in San Francisco who stepped in and played two, three starts and did well enough for your team to win. Skylar Thompson screamed that. You know, the big debate is if you keep... Teddy Bridgewater around. I think Josh right now I would. I like having that veteran. He's always been a leader in every locker room he's been to. So I would try my darnest to keep three. How about you? Would you uh would you want to keep Teddy um gloves around? Yeah, I, I mean I again I feel like I think his contract's guaranteed. I mean, we talked about before in a podcast. If you could trade him for some something that you know another team might have interest in a quarterback, but I just don't know, man. I went back and saw watched Melvin Ingram a little bit last year and saw Teddy and he didn't really do any, you know, I mean, before I thought Teddy could be a starter in the NFL. I just don't know that I feel that way anymore. So if I had to pick one or the other, I would absolutely keep Skylar Thompson. But I think the Miami Dolphins will probably keep Teddy because 
Again, they already paid some of that contract. Before we jump into the defense, Jake, I just want to get your quick thoughts on the offensive line. Solomon Kinley played well again. Robert Jones, I mean, yes. I keep putting Robert Jones in on the 53-man because I think he can play tackle, can play guard as well. And, um, you know, I, I think Liam Eikenberg's still, you know, a little bit iffy. So give me your thoughts on what that offensive line looked like without Teron Armstead and some of the other guys. But, I mean, again, 203 yards on the ground, there had to be something there to like. Yeah, so if I'm look, I'm just running through pro, pro football focus quick. Robert Hunt, he had a pretty strong offseason pass blocking grade of 76.3. And man, it is so nice to see Solomon Kinley playing well. Uh, the one thing that stood out to me about this entire unit is they really still did struggle against the run, which is something to keep in mind moving forward. But man, I'd say Solomon Kinley, Greg Little, those are two guys that I think are... Was, was Greg Little cut? Am I already walking in circles? But if he wasn't, I think Greg Little and Solomon Kinley are two guys who are going to be locked in. We think back to a year ago where we were kind of, this is going to sound ugly, excited to have Jesse Davis hopefully not be a starter, but as your sixth, your seventh lineman, someone who can spill in for half a game, maybe a whole game who doesn't get abused by, you know, other defenses figuring out the scheme and how they can specifically pick on him. Both of these guys, I feel pretty confident about just the fact they're versatile and they're so young. They're only going to get better from here is, is going to be a really important factor when we consider the fact, I mean, Austin Jackson, I don't know if he's the right tackle of the future. You mentioned Liam Eikenberg at left guard. We know the issues he's had and then left tackle, man, Teron Armstead, you're praying to God, he can stay healthy, but man, you never know. And you always want to have that second guy there just in case. 100%, man. I'm glad you brought up Craig Little because I do think he's going to find his way on that 53-man roster. I think we talked enough about, you know, what we saw to the, the Dolphins offense on Saturday. Let's take a break. And when we come back, let's jump into the defense and wrap things up as the Dolphins try to cut their roster down to 53 men. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And Josh, you cannot beat a team 48 to 10 unless your defense holds the opponent to 10 points. And yes, we can say it again that the Eagles did not play their starters, but this defense did exactly what you'd expect it to. It came out and played like it was playing against second teamers. It really pushed opponents around. I mean, Jalen Phillips had two quarterback hits, a tackle for a loss. He looked like a stud. I mean, anytime you can see Zach Sealer yelling, that's a good thing. He looked like a stud. So man, what stood out to you of an overall oppressive performance when you're only giving up one touchdown to a team that is full of players desperate to make a roster yeah i guess you can look at it two ways you know they're not playing against the starters but these guys are doing everything they can to to, you know claw their way onto a, a roster i think the thing to me is just how awesome this dolphins defensive front is i mean i think we knew we had some you know nice pieces but i mean it's just looking so nice on paper you had trey flowers like we mentioned i mean melvin ingram's part of this now but Man, Zach Sealer, I think he blew up two plays back to back. He just shed him blocks like it was nothing. And Jalen Phillips, man, I mean, he came into this offseason wanting to prove that he's a three down player. And I mean, every time he's on the field, whether it's power, whether it's the speed around the edge, I mean, he is making the quarterback's life a living hell. I also saw our boy Benito Jones. I think he had a 
tackle for mm-hmm. loss for negative two yards. So to me, uh, the run defense seems improved again, going up against second stringers and third stringers, but that was kind of the dolphins. I don't want to say Achilles heel, but you know, for many years they've struggled to stop the run. So I've, I like what I see. I like all the pieces up front and I'm excited to see when it all comes together, you know, week one against the Patriots. A name that stuck out to me, Josh, Elijah Campbell. He's been sticking around the dolphins for a while. He had a pick six on old familiar face Reed Sinnott. It was the third longest interception this preseason. He had a tackle and a pass breakup. Josh, I think the biggest difference between Miami's group at defensive end, maybe that defensive line in general, and the secondary isn't the top-tier talent, but it's just the depth. I think that's the big fear about the secondary is that depth. You mentioned, you know, we keep going back to Trill Williams suffering injury. Noah Igbenogany, he had a pass breakup, but man, I'm still feeling Joe Philbin queasy about him. Uh, what what can Elijah Campbell do to solidify a spot and, and really maybe have an opportunity to make an impact this year in that secondary? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of almost feel like he already showed enough to this coaching staff. I mean, again, I agree, you yeah. mentioned all the different things that happened to these corners. I had him as one of my 53 men. I also had Keon Crossing on there. So, I mean, I, um, you know, should. I guess a lot of it might depend on Byron Jones, right? I think they have till tomorrow to activate him off pup. And if, you know, he stays on pup, would they not have a roster spot to use on one of these other guys? I, I'm not entirely sure, Jake, but I, I think, you know, Elijah Campbell, he had that pick. Uh, was it two weeks ago where it kind of rolled over, stuck to his butt? I think that's kind of what we're going to see. The same thing. He's going to be like that football that was uh, caught by his legs, you know, stuck to his leg. And he's going to stick around on this 53-man roster. So, um, again, it's when you see pl- players make these plays, I mean, against Reed Sinet, yes, he threw it right to him. I mean, he he really did throw it right at him. But um, you want you to, catch it. to take that thing to the house. So, um, again, depleted secondary, unfortunately, after, you know, thinking it was so strong heading into this year. I think he'll make the cut. And um, then I, again, I don't know how that trickles down to Darth Cade or, you know, do they keep a Clayton Fagilium? I mean, that's a safety who is making a pretty penny. Yes. He has special teams, um, you know, experience, but dolphins, they, they can cut him. They can cut a Seathan Carter. You know, and we mentioned miles gas and I think he's pretty much here, but um, so, so I think we talked about the secondary Jake. Was there anybody else on that defense that really stood out to you? Any other player that caught your eye in Saturday's win? Channing Tindall. It's exciting, man. Eric Azucoma. We spoke about him in the first half. I, Skylar Thompson, this rookie class, I think we expected Tyree Kill to be this rookie class, but he was pretty impressive. Uh, He brings that boom that the Dolphins have been searching for, but they also need that, you know, that person who is fast enough to kind of chase around uh, opponents, opposing running backs, and really, really kind of keep them in check. We have so many nightmares of teams converting third and 12 third and 17 so i'm excited to see what he can do especially playing with starters he did have a missed tackle that led to philly's lone touchdown but overall man six tackles all three of miami's top tacklers were linebackers which is an interesting note talking about this defense but tindall man is someone who i think when we're talking about players who played so much in the preseason and how that can translate or gain momentum going into the regular season i put tindall right at the top of that list yeah, I mean, I don't want to say he still hasn't, well, obviously he hasn't reached his potential, but I still think the player at Georgia, you know, yes, he was surrounded by some awesome pieces, but he still looked like a little bit, you know, he could take this game to another level. So, I I mean, I absolutely adored this pick when it happened. I do kind of go back to Omar Kelly saying he struggled a little bit at training camp. Again, we are in that camp, so we can't sit here, you know, give our thoughts on that side of it. But everything you saw in preseason, you know, whether it's in coverage, whether you mentioned, you know, being able to move sideline to sideline, he's always in the right spot, you know, making tackles, except for that one where he slipped off and allowed that huge gain uh game don't know what you're talking about uh yeah but i mean again he just had and he's versatile too i mean i think he had a forced fumble um coming off the edge and again you can move him around do a little bit of everything can play in coverage so um i think it's only a matter of time before Channing tindall's a starter in this defense but i think when you look at the depth chart 
um, Jerome Baker, Landon Roberts, Duke Riley, some of those guys might be above him. Um, what about Sam McGuavin, Jake? Does he make this roster? I mean, one last name to throw out there. Do you think he could be a cap, uh, could be a cut? Oh man, I don't know about that. You know, he's the Dolphins are the only team this preseason to have two defensive touchdowns. Agravon having a pick, uh, fumble recovery for six of his own. Seven total tackles led the team. He defended a pass. He hit the quarterback. Had a tackle for loss. So, I, man, I just see him as just another guy who, if there's injuries, I think Agravon could be a starter. But someone who, if there's injuries, he's not the greatest player in the world. But you're very comfortable having him kind of lock in there and be one of those linebackers, and you don't have to think twice about it. Josh, one more note. We spoke a bit about the NFL top 100 list, and there he was, our king, Tyree Kill, number 15th on the top 100 list. He had a 98 pro football focus preseason grade for his whopping four snaps. So, Josh, lastly, let's breathe it out. Tyree Kill is on this team. The Dolphins are about to start the season. Man, how incredible does that feel? Because, I mean, that excitement, especially regarding Hill and his abilities, are is really starting to you know bubble over. Most explosive offensive player they've had since probably, you know, Ricky Williams, right? I mean, this guy's uh, lightning in a bottle, and I did feel a little dirty writing that article, you know, claiming him as one of ours, top 15, but he's a Dolphin now. I mean, let's just 100%. say he's going to jump up into that top 10 after this year. That's, that's going to be my hot take, whether I believe it or not. I'd love to see that, and you're 100% right, man. He's going to jump into the top He's going to jump into the top 10. The Dolphins are going to get a playoff spot and everything's going to be smooth sailing. That is all the time we have today. Thank you all so much for letting us be part of your day. Thank you so much for tuning into Finsider Radio. This has been the Jake and Josh show. We are looking forward to coming back with a complete 53-man roster breakdown as soon as that is announced. But until then, I hope everyone has a wonderful, wonderful day, whether it's Monday, Tuesday, whenever you're listening to this. And most importantly, fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami.